appreciative intelligence and emotional intelligence actually go hand in hand. I like to help people realize that appreciative intelligence is best used when you apply it individual by individual and then grow from there. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast, an auditory journey through the latest in marketing, branding, and advertising. Now, here's your Marketing Expedition Guide, Ray Allen. On this week's episode of the Marketing Expedition Podcast, I get to speak with Dr. Katherine Weiberg, and she's a keynote speaker and workshop facilitator on employee engagement and retention to stop your employee exodus. She is the host of Engaged Company Culture Podcast on YouTube, Spotify, and your favorite audio platforms, including Apple, Google, and Amazon. And she is a published author, including contributing to the book, The New Female Leader, and the author of an upcoming book on appreciative intelligence. Dr. Catherine is the founder and CEO of Profitable Alignment and spearheading a movement to help people everywhere enjoy their work. We'll get to speak with her of all kinds of things, company culture and all wonderful things, engagement and retention and wonderful, wonderful things. But first, it's time for our marketing essentials moment, the basics that you need to continue to help you build your brand and your bottom line. Today's topic, I wanted to address the need for creating a customer insight research strategy to understand your customers or your clients or the people who buy from you or donate to you or whatever the case might be, right? We want to understand and research them to fully gain a complete persona and information from our target audience that we want to reach most and why we want to reach them. And this information that we gather can really improve how we develop the entire marketing strategy, our brand planning, how we want to make a profit or how we want to increase the donations that we're getting if you're a nonprofit and the relationships that we have with our consumers or our customers that buy from us. And so this is a way to really approach the research to make sure that all bases are covered that we understand, we can resonate with them, we can create messaging that is going to attract them and disrupt their day, right? We want to infiltrate their brains for just a moment and get that space that will then allow them to think of you and keep you top of mind when it's time for them to buy or it's time for you to solve a problem for them that they may not even know that they have, right? And so creating these consumer insights can help that objective to get and thinking with the end in mind, get them to buy or do some sort of action to take. Because we're going to look at things like your market. We're going to look at the data that you can source. You can mine data of your consumers, have a big understanding, understand their patterns, their buying behavior, the market trends that's going to want them to you know, get to the time frame that they will buy. 
We're going to look at the segmentation of each type of target audience that you might have. You might have a primary, a secondary, a tertiary. You might have multiple segments within each of your primary targets that you want to attract. We want to understand their attitudes, their purchasing behavior, their usage behavior, their needs, their wants, what their satisfaction levels are. Maybe they're working with a competitor and they're unsatisfied. We want to uncover all of those things and maybe even uncover a new product or service that they are addressing that you don't even know that they need. So there's lots of different things that we can uncover when we're doing surveys and one-on-one -on -one interviews and focus groups and, you know, polls and questions and emails and all these things that we can do to have a really holistic understanding of what that market intelligence that you need in order to make those decisions along the way in your marketing strategy and plan that you're putting together, ideally. <laughs> and so we want to have contact with the end user, your, your customer that you are going to serve. And we can also talk to your employees because sometimes those employees who are on the front line have really good insights and information that we may not know about because we're not on the front line. So we want to gather and collect as much as we can to get all of that data-driven consumer insight research and make a strategy based on all of this advantageous information that we're gathering and collecting. And if we're doing a competitive analysis, we're doing a SWOT analysis, strength, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, and lots of different versions of that, and how we can go about infiltrating your ideal client's mind space to want to buy from you when it comes time. So there's lots of different factors in thinking about how you can understand this insights. There's things like the net promoter score, for example, how likely would this customer recommend you to someone else on a scale of one to 10, let's say, on 10 being the best, they would absolutely refer you to others and maybe not so good it would be a one or however you want to set it up. A Likert scale is a common way to track that and have some insights and measurement. And sometimes it's easy to be able to put sentiment scores on what people are thinking and what their sentiments are and how they are affiliated with your brand or if they even know about your brand and having unaided consideration or unaided awareness, we can ask them open-ended questions to say, name the, the first brand that comes to mind in, um, I don't know, plumbing services. And then they name out the different companies that come to mind and that's unaided consideration. Whereas aided consideration is if you give them multiple choice and you list out all the different plumbing companies that they select and if they hear or have heard of you, or maybe you can have them put it in order of priority of how much they've heard of you or not, um, or if they would recommend you or not, all kinds of ways to think about how you can get all of this consumer data or first party information if you're directly contacting your customers or potential customers, or even just a sample population at random that you can identify with that's in a certain geographic area. And maybe they have certain criteria, maybe they're empty nesters, or maybe they're dinks, dual income, no kids, or maybe they're home dwellers versus apartment living versus, uh, you know, whatever, right? Multifamily. 
however you want to set the stage for who it is that you're targeting. And of course, we can ask them demographic information and psychographic information. We can ask them all these things. Of course, we don't want to make the survey too long that they just abandon it. So we have to get a very fine balance on how we want the surveys to go and flow and how they get there, whether you promote and incentivize people for taking the survey and giving them a redirect at the end where they can enter for a chance to win something, or you can even just say, hey, take this survey and get a $10 gift card from Amazon or wherever, right? Or maybe promote local if you're going to do it within a certain geographic region. And looking at the qualitative and quantitative information from that customer feedback is really going to help you form your research that you're going to use in putting together your entire strategy and plan moving forward. And if this is something that you've never done before in getting customer feedback, we can certainly help you with that. At Peppershock, we've done a lot of this over the years, and it's great to be able to utilize information that we've used before, how you word the question, the order that you word the questions, um, the order of the questions in, in the survey can be very helpful. Um, you know, where are people dropping off if, if it's too long of a survey? Lots of things to consider and having these messages get out to people. You can do it through social media. You can promote it through email. You can do a number of different things that you can help to get that insight that you really need. And then all of that data that's now collected, now we need to visualize it and put it in forms that we can all understand and analyze it to understand what is the insights that we need to use based on that. We can ask them questions about how did you hear about us before? If they have heard us about us before, what forms of advertising do you recognize or remember or hear? Uh, what uh, channels do you listen to or look at? Or what podcasts do you listen to? Um, where do you get your news? Where do you get your information? What are your activities? Do you golf? Are you a golfer? Are you, you know, um, do you go to sports arenas? Maybe having your image and brand and logo in, in a sports arena makes sense because those are the types of people you want to target depending on what type of sport it is, right? All of this visualization of this data and findings can help you identify some clear action points that you want to take and understand what's working and what's not. What do you want to keep? Start, stop, keep, or tweak, right? Start, stop, keep, or tweak. Some things that you can do and you can get some benchmarking if you've never done this before to know where your baseline is, know where you're starting from, from scratch, right? To start to continuously monitor these things and continuously get customer insights and build that dashboard of insights on an ongoing basis. And maybe it's a certain time frame that we reapproach the survey again and see what kind of sentiments we're getting or what kind of unaided awareness we're building or aided awareness that we're building, what's working and what's not. And then continue to build your customer profiles, build the types of customers that you want to continue to bring through your doors. If you're a click and mortar, bring onto your website with traffic rather than a brick and mortar, or maybe you're both. What is it that we're doing? What's working? What's not? And why? And then setting those market initiatives and then pivot where you need to and understand the areas that are continuously working. Maybe do some A-B testing on some messaging and or images that you use or the copywriting that you use using all kinds of things that we can do to collect this insight and data and test what we're doing to then make sure 
that the money that you're going to spend on your advertising and your marketing and strategy and plan and all the things is going to work. It's going to be highly effective. If you can do the upfront research, the most important part of entire marketing plan is to do the research upfront. So that way you're eliminating the assumptions and presumptions and you're getting right to the main information that you need in order to help support the ideas that you come up with, the concepts, the the marketing plans and strategies and execution that you do, and then find those results that are going to continue to build and have iterations and iterations upon iterations to make it even better and dial it in. So that way you're spending less money on acquiring new customers that are the right customers because you've got it so dialed in over time. Marketing is a is a marathon, not a sprint, right? It's a it's an ever evolving, ever fluid thing that we need to continue to research and build and and test what we're doing. And you get it so dialed in that you're going to now spend less money to acquire more high quality, high caliber customers that you want to come through your doors or click on your website. So those are some insights for you to understand. If you need help with this in any capacity, feel free to reach out to us at Peppershock Media. This podcast is powered by Peppershock Media, and we would love to see how we could help you, even if it's just to run by what you've come up with, and we can give you some insights and information on previous customer insights and projects that we've done in the past in marketing needs assessments or anything like that. So without further ado, let's get into the podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. I'm your host, Ray Allen. I'm the president and CEO of Peppershock Media and the founder of the Marketing Expedition Community. And today's guest, we have Dr. Katherine Weiberg. Welcome to the show, Dr. Katherine. Thank you so much, Ray. I'm excited to be here with you and all who follow you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. We're going to go on a marketing journey, but we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics, and that is culture and all the fun things. But first, let's share a little background history of you, Dr. Catherine, just kind of share, um, you know, what you've done, where you've come from, and give us a little insight into who you really are. Oh, thank you so much. I have always enjoyed work. Like everybody, I have had jobs where I did not enjoy work. I did not look forward to Monday or being in the environment where I was going to be spending 40 hours a week. However, I've always worked to find a way to enjoy my work, to enjoy my coworkers and so forth. I began a journey more than 20 years ago trying to understand and practice leadership and management principles, especially around team building. Because at the time I was working in an organization where I enjoyed what I was doing, yet I knew I wanted to do more. And several of my coworkers had a lot of complaining. They were saying, I don't like this, I don't like that, I feel unappreciated, so on and so forth. I began really looking at How does that all fit together? And I looked at different departments in the organization where I worked and noticed that some were really cohesive, some were not, some bickered with each other. And a lot of people, and I find this still everywhere I go, 
you ask them, how is your day? And they say, oh, it's good. It's almost done. Or, oh, well, you know, it's Monday and I'm at work. I found myself thinking over the last 30 years or more, why do people not enjoy their work? We need to get to work in a place that we can enjoy what we're doing. We spend so much time there and it bleeds off into everywhere. Fast forward many years and I decided to pursue a doctor of management degree in organizational development and change. I began to really apply everything I'd been studying with leadership, with team building, with group dynamics. And I learned a phrase called appreciative intelligence, which I had never heard before. I got so excited about it that I found myself wanting to share it with everybody. And that's where my journey really started to ramp up. And you're even writing a book about it. Is that right? I am, in fact, writing a book about it. It's all about stopping the employee exodus by embracing appreciative intelligence. The working title keeps changing, but it is in process and I'm excited for when it comes out. I'll be talking group dynamics and really what is the heart of appreciative intelligence and how can that really engage your employees and stop the employee exodus? Yes. And I believe that your culture is your brand, right? Your brand kind of starts from the inside out with your culture. And I think that if you have a great company culture, then it exudes out into your customers and your people, right? If you have happy campers, then you have happy customers. And sometimes it, it, it it's an imbalance, right? And things can happen and not always be in balance. So definitely um, love this topic of appreciative intelligence. Let's go, let's dig even more. What, what does it mean to have appreciative intelligence? Thank you. This is one of my favorite topics, as you can tell, because I've already mentioned it a couple of times. I like to describe appreciative intelligence by looking at appreciate in two different ways. First, it is to appreciate as far as understanding, recognizing, valuing, and embracing the strengths that are in addition to the skills of ourselves, our coworkers, our team members, our supervisors, and embracing those to the point that they become organizational strengths. Now, when we appreciate in that fashion, truly embrace and engage those strengths, grow and develop them, we then appreciate the value of the organization. So it's appreciate like you would look at an investment by appreciating what is already there, building on it, leaning into those strengths. Now, like every good academic, even though there are wonderful models out there, which I love, I created my own Good. that I call reframe, rewrite and redesign. Okay. The idea is that as we reframe, which I have an example for, if you have a picture, in a white picture frame, it has a very specific look to it. You see bright colors, you see different lighting. Now, if you take that very same picture 
and put it in a black picture frame, identical picture, but now the darker hues come out. Some of the shadow changes. You're looking at the exact same picture, but if you see them side by side, they look different from each other. And for those of you who are only listening right now, it's a beautiful mountainous scene with snow top, you know, and you're right, it does look almost different because of the the hues and the colors that come out from the white picture frame versus the black picture frame, the, the darker shadows of the trees and the darker sides of the mountains are, and even the clouds, right? They look different, it does. And I imagine if you were to take both of those pictures out, they would be exactly the same print, color, everything, right? They in fact are exactly identical pictures. I printed the same copy twice, just so I could demonstrate it this way. There's beauty in both of them. And there is place for both perspectives. The experience hasn't changed. And this is what we can do with our perspectives, with perspectives of other people, with our life experiences, with things that have happened at work. We can look at it through a new light, put it in a new frame. As we do that, we see the different hues, we see the different colors, we find different ways that it can work. Then we can rewrite our status quo, rewrite our current understanding, redesign how we're going to respond to a similar situation in the future, redesign what we want our future to look like, and with the power of appreciative intelligence along that reframe, rewrite, redesign model, we lean into those strengths, we see the opportunities, we recognize the aspirations, and we get new results. Oh, wow, I love that. A reframe, rewrite, redesign. And you're right, because I think so many people have gone through so many different things in the last couple of years, even with the pandemic and, and what does, you know, job flexibility mean and how do you now work how does work work now right it's completely different than it was and and so mm -hmm, reframing how we work and what it means to be able to work is is very different than it was just a couple of years ago and it does impact culture right i mean it's it's significantly different than it was before in a lot of different ways. And a lot of companies are going through a lot of, I don't know, identity, culture, identity crises in a way. Yeah. And they need to reframe. <laughs> exactly. And so that's the thing. There are some cultures that are so accustomed to doing it a certain way that the upheaval of COVID and so many people going remote, it changed the culture sort of. It changed the dynamic, sort of. And then when people started coming back to the office, there are individuals in leadership, especially, although even frontline employees who wanted to go back to the old status quo, who thought we could all go back to what it used to be. But because people had started to see things differently, it, it is forcing a reframe, but we can embrace that reframe and we can look at our culture. We can look at the group dynamics in a completely new perspective. And group dynamics actually are in two different hues, if you, if you would like. There's the group 
stages where you have forming, norming, storming, performing, and adjourning in how groups create and coalesce. But then there is the underlying interpersonal relationships, which is part of your group stages and they combine. Those group dynamics illustrate your company culture. You can then use them to influence your company culture. You can look at the way people are interacting in meetings, maybe the way people are not interacting in meetings, how they respond to hybrid work or non-hybrid. So much that you can do to reframe and recognize those group dynamics. Oh, definitely can relate a lot. We have a creative team and yes, they went, you know, working from home. Sometimes they're at the office now and collaboration happens differently on screen versus in person, right? Online versus in person. And it does. I mean, there's, there's benefits and drawbacks, right? You know, now there's, if you work from home, you don't have commute time, but then you, you know, now you're working different hours and trying to get your work done, but also, you know, running stuff at home and, you know, all the things, right? I mean, there's so many different dynamics at play here now and, and what works for one person doesn't necessarily work for the other person. So it's like this whole, I don't know, cyclical thing that's like, okay, do we all come back to the office? Do we all, you know, do we all work remotely? Do we even need an office now? And it's just like this dynamic that's so wide range for so many different people and their life stages, right? If they have kids at home versus not, if they're, you know, a single person versus not, I mean, it's just this whole new world of being able to navigate what's going to work well for the entire team. Right. And then, and, and so I definitely can relate to that and feel that. And I imagine a lot of our listeners are in the same boat, right. In, in trying to bring people back to work and then people resent that other people can't wait to get back to work. You know, I mean, so we're just in this whole spectrum of, of what's working, what's not. And we even introduced the idea of a four uh, day work week. And some people love the idea and some people absolutely just dug their heels in and said, heck no. Right. I mean, it's like, okay, <laughs> I want to give you Fridays off. It's a gift. Right. And then, you know, so there's just this de definitely like teeter tottering, um, you know, tug of war almost that's going on. And, and, and we're not alone. I mean, I talked to other people around, you know, in, in different peer groups and things, and it is like this definite tension of, what work is, you know, how work works now. <laughs> so Dr. Catherine, in all of your research that you've been doing and this book that you're writing, and, and of course, you're also a, a contributing author in another, another book, but have you, have you seen, what, what do you kind of see happening within the next, I don't know, six to two, two years from now? Like what, what's kind of trending and, and how people are evolving and working together better? I mean, what do you see that, are concerns for people or that are what's kind of working well, what's not? Well, that is a, a beautifully loaded question. <laughs> the problem is people trying to go back to the old status quo and not recognizing that the old status quo can't be the status quo anymore. The benefit is that a lot more people are talking about it. Cultures are starting to reframe organizations are starting to appreciate the value that 
their employees bring with all their diversified strengths. Diversity is being recognized in all of its varieties, both the visible, the physical, and the background of individuals, the culture of individuals, the work experiences, the perspectives, and organizations, especially the leaders in these organizations are starting to really evaluate how can we encourage people to want to be here so that they enjoy their work? Because if I enjoy my work, I'm going to do more of it. I'm going to do it better. I'm going to be more efficient. And frankly, I'm going to serve better all of the people with whom I interact, whether it be people on my team, my coworkers at large, or customers with whom I directly interact. It's all coming down to communication and evaluation. A lot of people are starting to recognize status quo isn't status quo anymore. And we're looking at the organizational culture and we're asking ourselves, does this culture allow us to have some people on a four day work week, some people on a five day work week? Are we going to completely change to one or the other? Does the culture allow us to have some remote work, some hybrid work, some in-person work? Does the company culture allow us to voice our opinions, to make suggestions, to disagree in kindness? What does our culture allow? How do we engage our employees? There are many organizations, many leaders who are asking these questions and they don't have the answers. That's where I and other consultants come in because we want to help the leaders answer these questions in the way that fits your organization. Every organization does have its nuances. Every industry does have its needs. Every individual has different strengths. How can you engage them? And that's where consultants and coaches come into play to help answer those questions. Can you give an example of how you might have helped uh, an organization through this interesting time that we're in now? Oh, thank you for that opportunity. I remember working with an organization that was wanting to encourage all of the employees to be able to have their families as priority. They, when I first started working with them, they did encourage family as a priority so that if something were to come up with a child who needed to get to a doctor or who needed to be picked up all of a sudden from school or who had other obligations, a parent could leave and take care of it. Or if somebody were in the sandwich generation where you have aging parents at home and children that you're rearing and you need to take care of one or the other, you could totally take care of it and everybody would support it. At the time, remote work was not a thing. I remember talking to this, I began working with them pre-COVID. I began talking to them about the possibility of when somebody wants to take a child to an appointment 
and still wants to get work done, perhaps that employee could take a laptop for in the waiting room and do some work and so forth. Now, at the time, the manager with whom I was working most closely said, no, because if I do that for one, I'm going to have to do that for all. Mm. COVID came. All of a sudden, exactly. I remember telling that manager, yes, you have to do it for all. What a glorious, wonderful opportunity so that people, you, you already have said that people's families need to be first. And you've demonstrated that in so many ways. People don't like coming back to work and having five hours of extra work that needs to be done, two or three of which they could have done while waiting without losing any of that momentum. Now, COVID came and all of a sudden everybody's doing it. That seed had been planted so that things could be discussed. And then the organization went to a point of being fully remote and then came back and have some people remote and some people hybrid and some people back in the office. And again, they focus on family first, but now their clients are also benefiting because they have options, they have opportunities. Maybe I can't meet in person with my my counselor who's helping me in this instance, it was employment counselors, but I might be able to get to a library and get on Zoom, or I might be able to get on Zoom on my phone. Something came up, or maybe I, I'm trying to get to point A from point B and, and something happened, but I still can get the work done. And it opened up so many possibilities so that now the culture is adding the benefit of, oh, look, we wanted families to be first. We wanted employees to be innovative. And now we have a way to do this. We now can completely embrace all of the things that our employees do well, that they even bring from outside of their job descriptions. And, and they can influence these clients in different ways and access them in different ways and help each other in different ways. Ooh, this is fantastic. Hmm. Yeah, that's great. And, and it did kind of set the stage for that ability to happen, whether the world wanted it or not. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. And now it's just trying to navigate back to what's going to work and not work. And like you said, the new status quo is that there is no status quo, right? That is the new qu- status quo. Yeah. Or, or maybe the new status quo is how can we level up for our employees? How can we level up for our clients? How can we level up our own leadership and become more of the leaders we would follow? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. And now a message about one of our sponsors, Nadine West, which is awesome, affordable outfits that are delivered to your doorstep each month or however often you want it delivered. And each month features surprising new outfits that consist of items perfectly styled just for you. And you only keep what you love and then send the rest back free of charge. I absolutely love it. The things that they send me, I often keep more than not. 
And so for our listeners, if you sign up today using my link, you'll get $10 credit and free shipping on your first order. So go to peppershock.com offers and sign up for Nadine West and get your $10 credit. I know you're going to love what Nadine West sends to you. I even get a personal message from her asking how everything's going. Anyway, so go to peppershock.com offers and sign up for Nadine West. Well, okay. So since it's your favorite topic, let's, let's dig in a little bit more about appreciative intelligence, kind of the, the features or the attributes, or maybe like an example of what, you know, showcasing that appreciative intelligence where it's like the collaboration, inclusivity, and, you know, all of the kind of the strengths that happen with, with this. I, because it is fascinating to me and I love this. I mean, because we've got artificial intelligence, we've got human intelligence, and now we've got appreciative intelligence, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And the fun thing is that appreciative intelligence and emotional intelligence started both making the way into the scene at about the same time back in the 1980s. But appreciative intelligence is still widely unknown outside of the field of appreciative inquiry, which is done in a lot of academic fields. But appreciative intelligence and emotional intelligence actually go hand in hand. I like to help people realize that appreciative intelligence is best used when you apply it individual by individual and then grow from there. So you can start by looking at yourself. This using appreciative intelligence gives you the opportunity to make comparison an empowerment tool instead of an ugly stick to beat yourself with. Most people are in the habit of comparing ourselves at our worst to somebody else at their best. It's a societal norm, highly unfortunate. If we employ appreciative intelligence, we can instead, for example, look at the people we admire. I remember when I started doing this a decade or so ago, when I needed my own personal reframe, I looked at some people I admired and looked at why do I admire these people? This is where the reframe happened. Instead of saying, she is so amazing or he is so amazing and i never will be i looked and i said this person is so amazing what do i have in common with this person do i ever do any of those same things maybe i have the same motivation and a different result maybe i don't have to be amazing at that thing because I can be amazing at something else and that's okay. All of a sudden I was finding, first of all, commonalities between myself and the people I admired. Second of all, common motivations with different methods. And then third, I found things that I did well, that to me came naturally that maybe did not come naturally to that person I admired, maybe I can offer to help that person I admire. Maybe I can go up to this person and say, I think you are amazing and phenomenal. I don't do that well. I do this well. Can I help you with it? All of a sudden, 
comparison became empowering. It did not become an opportunity to be conceited because again, that's comparing my best to somebody else's worst, but it became an opportunity to give a complimentary skill. This is what I do well and I can help you or receive a complimentary skill. I don't like doing that. Will you help me with it? And then the team builds. I once worked with a lady who was a master gardener outside of her work. Inside of her work, she was an administrative assistant at a city office. She and I spoke frequently and she talked about how she was not enjoying work. Again, one of my passions, you have to enjoy your work. You spend so much time there. She attributed it to the fact that she wasn't able to employ all of her strengths. I talked to her about what it took as a master gardener to get to that level. She talked to me about the research that she had to do. She talked to me about the mentorship she had to seek. She talked to me about the trial and error. She talked to me about the community around her. When she and I talked about it, I said, all of those things that you learned, the research that you did, the study that you did, all of those new skills that you developed, what if you applied those skills and those newfound strengths, which are talents to which you've added effort to your job, would that make a difference? She got so excited. She said, I would love that. I would have so much fun if I could apply these strengths and these skills. It doesn't have to be bringing a new garden into my office, but I learned some things that transfer into the job and that I could apply that in my job and it would be fun. The goal is to help leaders recognize that every individual has those strengths, has those skills that can transfer. And as a leader recognizes those different things in his or her team and in himself or herself, things can change. Your culture can adapt. Your innovation can grow. You get to rewrite your new status quo because you've reframed how you see each employee and each team. So now you get to redesign the future you want, make the culture that you want and have people enjoy work. Stop your employee exodus by applying the appreciative intelligence. I love that so much. And you know, there was something that I wanted to bring up that I, last time we met, I know I did a guest lecture for Jill Lublin, the PR strategist, amazing author and wonderful person. And that's how we met. And there was something that was said, and I wrote it down. Emotions are a temporary message to your soul. Does that sound familiar? It does. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. So yeah, emotions are temporary messages to your soul. Let's talk about that. And when you allow your soul to hear that message, you can do something with it. When you listen to that emotion, you can trace it. You can have that opportunity to delve and reframe and say, this is the emotion that came up. Why did that emotion come up? Is there something in my past that I need to look at in a new light that can help me? Another thing that I like is that our bodies 
recognize or respond to anxiety and excitement in very, very similar ways. In fact, some studies will show that the physiological response to anxiety and excitement is identical. It's the way our minds interpret it. So it's another opportunity to reframe and to appreciate why is my mind interpreting what could be excitement at change as anxiety at change? How can I reframe it? How can I rewrite how I want to respond to this? How can I change my surroundings based on, or rather redesign my surroundings based on this emotional communication to my soul? What can I do with it? And how can I use it to help other people? I love that so much. I, 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 I love this quote though. I mean, and I think you, you can take credit for this, right? It's like something that I think was a quotable moment, right? Emotions are temporary messages to your soul. I, I think it's, it's very powerful. <laughs> Although I don't remember saying it, I would love to take credit for it. So if you credited <laughs> it to me, I'll take it because I think it's lovely. <laughs> I thought it was you. I don't know. I didn't write down who said it, but I thought it was you. <laughs> well, I will happily take credit for it because I, I find it a beautiful sentiment and it's something we can build on. Well, if we plug it into AI, then, you know, AI can take credit for anything now these days, right? <laughs> there you go. And, and then we'll change it from artificial intelligence to appreciative intelligence and on we go. There we go. <laughs> what can I say? I love acronyms. AI, appreciative intelligence. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, Dr. Catherine, um, this is so, we could talk about this all day. I say that a lot, but I think there's just so much wealth of knowledge that you have to give and, you know, company cultures definitely need people like you to help them through and navigate this interesting kind of world we're in now, how can people reach out to you and um, get a hold of you if they wanted to have your help with them? I love connecting with people on LinkedIn. I am listed as Katherine Weiberg, Dr. Catherine. It's listed both ways. Also, you can visit bookwithdrkatherine.com. So DR for doctor and Catherine is C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E.com. That takes you to a scheduling page that gives you a couple of different options of what type of appointment to set with me. I'm all about it. I love connecting with people and helping out. I love the vanity URLs. That's a very good marketing tactic. Good job. <laughs> thank you, thank you. It makes it easy to say when we have audio only for sure. Um, okay, so any any kind of last parting words that you would like to share with our audience that um, you just feel like they need to hear from you? Thank you. Please remember, anyone who is listening or viewing, that there is no such thing as just. You are not just anything. You are not just a manager, just an employee, just a mom, just a dad. There's no such thing as just. You and everybody around you has something amazing to offer. Own it, share it, find a way to reframe, rewrite, and redesign. And every experience can be turned to your benefit and the benefit of others with appreciative intelligence. 
Oh, I love it. That was perfect. Thank you so much, Dr. Catherine, for sharing your wisdom with us today. And for those of you listening, I know there are people out there who need to hear what Dr. Catherine had to say. Please share this podcast with all of those people that you know need to hear this. Maybe it's your leader. Maybe it's your, you know, I don't know. (laughs) Maybe it's your boss. I don't know. Maybe another coworker. But this is definitely something to be shared. And of course, we always appreciate shares and likes and comments and and reviews, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Yep. Yep. So again, thank you so much, Dr. Catherine. We really appreciate you. And we look forward to the new book that's coming out. And um, oh, and by the way, you said you were also a contributing author. Share a little bit about that too. I forgot to mention that earlier. Um, what what was the book that you're a contributing author to? No worries. It's called The New Female Leader, A Woman's Dynamic Guide to Leadership. It is. It was published in 2020. There are many of us who contributed to lift women up, to recognize that women can step into their leadership. The chapter that I contributed is called Reframe, Rewrite, Redesign. Imagine that. It talks a little bit about my leadership journey and how you can become the leader you would follow by using Reframe, Rewrite, Redesign, Appreciative Intelligence. Excellent, thank you so much. And until next time, everybody, enjoy your marketing journey. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. Want to continue the journey? Don't miss out on new episodes. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wouldn't it be great if there was one place you can go to get all the latest information and tips about marketing and advertising? The Marketing Expedition community is that place. People like you gather in our online community to build relationships with others and find the latest marketing trends, tactics, tools, and technology. We help you build your brand and your bottom line. Start your adventure today. Visit themarketingexpedition.com to find out more.